Welcome to the Go, Go, Grow podcast, where we share practical advice and growth strategies for scaling B2B businesses. My name is Dasha Tishlik, and I'm the founder of StratCraft. I work with founders and leaders to advance their revenue and value objectives by implementing strategic planning and operational excellence into their businesses. My name is Michelle Page, founder of Sales Chasers. I partner with clients to generate more revenue through sales, marketing, and customer success strategies. This helps grow their client base and stop revenue leaks. Welcome back to the Go, Go, Grow podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about organization-wide strategy, which should probably be something on the New Year's resolution list for anyone in a growing business. Being more strategic. I agree. I agree. Passion and gut instinct will get you so far. It's probably not going to get you exactly where you want to go. What I talk about with clients is look at where you are today. That's your current state. Look at where you want to be. That's your desired state. Organizational strategy is that roadmap, that path that's going to get you from current to desired. Strategy is what you need to get there. Do you have to write it down? Absolutely. If you don't write it down, how are you going to remember it? <laughs> that's a great point. I think a lot of people say, well, we're being strategic because we have an approach and we kind of do things in a certain way. But there's a real value to putting a roadmap on paper to put all the goals and how you think you're going to get there in a structured way as a plan. I think, as you said, how are you going to remember it? Because then things get on fire and we forget some of the other things. And without it being on paper, those, those priorities might become deprioritized. Also keeps you accountable. Absolutely. Focus is what Every single pe uh, person in the organization needs starts with the CEO, the founder, president, whatever title you've bestowed upon yourself. It, you need to have that focus and you need to distill that throughout your organization. One favorite quote, uh, I know a lot of people have heard this, and it is from a famous French book called The Little Prince. And the author, uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, and the quote is a wish, I'm sorry, a dream without a plan is just a wish. So the importance of strategy, you've got to have a plan. There's something that happens when you start to put ideas on paper, which brings greater clarity and enables a next level evolution. Other people can react to it, but also your own mind is now able to reconcile things. I, th I don't think we give enough credit to how convoluted ideas get in our own heads. And when you have to ex extrovert them and you have to structure them in a way that other people understand, you're actually building a lot more information into it. So putting it on paper has inherent value, even if you're a business of one, but especially if you then are trying to get other people to follow along and on my blog, Stratcraft, I have an article I wrote called A Team With and Without a Strategic Plan and have a nifty little illustration we'll put up, which shows the company represented as a cube. And here's what it looks like when you don't have a strategy. Every one of your leaders in the team, every one of your employees is doing their best. 
but their conception of what the best is might be different from the actual target of the company. So everybody's sort of pulling and hopefully they're kind of pulling in a generally similar direction, maybe off from each other by no more than 180 degrees. So that means they're pulling in opposite directions from each other. That means they're pulling differently at different times. And now, yes, you're moving your company in a direction, but it, first of all, it might not be the direction that you intended. Second of all, you're probably moving very slowly because people haven't reconciled their differences. And here's the things you can look at to see if this is your company. First of all, People have vague objectives. They can't give you numbers in time for when they're going to achieve things. Deadlines and timelines are pretty vague and what and how they relate is vague as well. Second is people are finding themselves constantly with conflicting priorities. If you're the owner of the company or the CEO or the president, people are coming to you constantly with gripes about each other potentially, or how different projects are taking priority because the priorities haven't been reconciled. This one is next one is a killer. You feel like your leaders are creating silos. This could be a function of a person in your team, of course, but also if you don't have a strategy for the whole company, then everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And while they contribute to the company, their sense of goals and direction is coming from themselves. So it's natural for them to gravitate to the things that they know best. So if your operations team prioritizes operations over sales, that's a no brainer because unless you explicitly say we're all pulling to bring in new customers, then they're going to think that the things they're working on are most important. So silos are a huge symptom. So Dasha, what happens if each of these different departments, they're, they're pulling, they're making progress. Maybe it's not quite in the same direction, but it's not in support of those organizational goals. Could they, could it, could there ever be a good thing happen from that? They're making progress, but could it be contrarian prospect progress? Well, that's right. You you might have things that start to deviate from what your company does. Like you could have a super creative person somewhere in your team who is inventing a whole new business unit, right? And that might be great and they might be really innovative, but because there's nothing articulated, there's no structure to this, what they're doing and whether or not they get support even for what they're doing, it's unclear. And you also can't make sense. Are the things you're doing working or not? Because you're not sure exactly what's happening because there's no plan that's central. So what is happening and what's affecting what the cause and effect relationships are a bit unknown. So you're really missing an opportunity to learn more about your company and your team and what the possibilities are. You could have a strategy. You could set a goal and come up with an action plan and you could be going down the route and we'll get to this a little bit and find out, Hey, we didn't come up with the best plan. We didn't quite get to where we want to go. That is learning. That's learning for your company and your team. But if everybody's just doing their own thing, you don't even know what is affecting what. You don't know if the actions you're taking are which actions are producing the measurable results or if it's just happening at random because the market yeah. is growing or something like that. So I, I think it was Thomas Edison that said, and I apologize if I'm giving the wrong attribution. I, I found 10,000 ways that don't work. Um, but, but yes, that, that, that learning led me to the one way that did work. And that's a, a, a very roundabout paraphrase. But if 
every exercise you learn something from that gets you to the end result. So you definitely have to do that for the benefit of the team. Your team will work better if they are aligned together against the same plan. And if anybody is pulling in the opposite direction on purpose, which does happen, you will now know and you will be able to work with that person and turn around what they're doing and make sure they're participating in the joint strategy and plan. So about the kind of whys, but let's talk about the how. What do you do? What are the elements of a strategic plan? Well, the plan has to start from the top down. Now, the, the information to start that strategy may come from the bottom up. It should because that's where data starts. So you can't just sit on high and say, well, I think we want to go in this direction. All of that, the inspiration for that has to come from where you are today. Again, going back to that current state and to truly understand that state, you've got to go to the data. That'll be a recurring theme throughout all of our podcasts. You have to have good data. You know, you have to know where you are in order to know where you want to go, what's realistic to go and how to get there. So as the organizational strategy is being defined, then you have to communicate with every other stakeholder. You have to understand with giving all these functional areas a seat at the table, what's important to you, what's happening in your area, what do we need to include? Now, can we can we dive into that? Like, what does every functional area have to contribute? How do you determine what, what's relevant for your business? Well, think about um, a large, successful enterprise. I'm, I'm going to use Apple, for example. Everybody's at least heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have the CEO. But who is also running all the various operations? Well, of course, there's operations. There's, there's finance. There are technology companies. So there's technology. They've got both product technology, product management, product marketing. They also have the actual technology. So there's a, a, a CTO, a CIO, a CISO, C-I-S-O, pretty much anything with the technology side. So let's pop over to finance. So there's there's going to be somebody that's controlling the finances. There's going to be somebody controlling investments, the SEC compliance. Then you're, okay, well, how, how are they selling and marketing this? Okay, then you have sales, marketing, revenue. So you know, this is just one example of a huge company. Let's go downsize to our audience, which is those scale-up companies. You're not going to have somebody in every position. That's right. But you've got the need. You have, to, you have to fill that role. You have to fill that function. So if you don't have a person in that role, think about what you need in that role. That's a really good point, which is when you're, when you're thinking like for the functions and the areas or company that you might need to define things for, you might have to come up with an org chart or functional chart that doesn't include current current heads, like you said, but actually, you know, what are all the components? So you might have a facilities or a real estate component, and there could even be valuable decisions to be made strategy-wise and actions to be taken 
on that front. But you might not have a head of facilities. You might just be using them. But those are all aspects of your strategy. So you want to almost put together like as if your company is much bigger than it is and just put what are the different, you know, you could you could look at it from a process flow, for example, like everything that goes into making your company work or from an org chart perspective, just put the empty boxes there and put yourself into the or somebody in your team and say, hey, for the purpose of strategic planning, mm-hmm. I need you to take charge of our data on supply chain. I know you're the head of operations. You got 20,000 things going on, and but we still need someone to take a look at that function because it's a function of our company or quality or compliance, et cetera. And I think it's, you know, I, I want to make sure talent is very important. And so HR and talent, those things, the development of your people, make sure you have those things considered as well. It's not just the goals and the functions that relate to your customer, your product, or your finances. It's also to the team and the operations within the company because those have to be developed as well in order to serve your customers best and in order to grow your company well over time. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense to me. So we think about every functional area and then what do we do next with the goals or the vision of the company? Well, once every functional area either has a seat at the table or is addressed in that conversation, there needs to be that overriding operational goal. Now, you, 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 a company of any size will have a hard time tackling 10 goals, especially the size of our audience, that scale up organization. You really only want to tackle one to three goals. You want it to be something that that's manageable. Um, SMART goals, that is going to keep you on track. It's going to keep you committed. It's going to make sure everyone knows exactly what needs to be done. If you're not familiar with SMART goals, every letter stands for a key component. Um, S, specific. Give me exactly what you want to achieve. M is measurable. There's that word data again. (laughs) You've got to be able to put a a finite number on it. I want to grow by X percentage, X dollars. We want to cut expenses by X percentage, X dollars. I want to enter three new markets, whatever that case may be. A is achievable. It's got to be something that you can do. If you're currently doing a million, you're not going to hit 50 million in one year. If you are, call me. I want part of your business. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it has to be achievable. If if you set yourself out for a goal that that there's no way you can achieve, getting people on board and committed is going to be very difficult. is relevant. It's got to be relevant to your long-term goal. It's got to move you closer to your long-term goals. And T is time-bound. Don't just say, you know what, we want to hit 50 million. I'm not sure when. It's just kind of a long-range goal. If you want to hit 50, then what are you going to do in the next quarter, in the next year, in the next three years, in the next five years? Make your organizational goal for the next year. Now, I know sometimes people look also at other frameworks like OKRs, but if you look closely, you will find that 
being measurable or some sort of metric and being time bound and being achievable, even if it's ambitious, is all part of goal setting. So even if you're like, well, we don't use smart goal system, we use OKRs, you will see that the elements of good goal setting always contain an element of, well, how are you going to know that you've achieved Mm -hmm. it? And always you're going to say, okay, now how are you going to break it out into specifics? Can this goal actually be defined in any way? If your goal is to grow or to be the best, that's a little bit difficult to define. How do you know the best at what across what metrics? So it it really does help to, to be more specific. Something you said made me realize we should address as you set your goals, you're going to then start looking at some data to help you figure out your company's at that might change your goals because absolutely what is achievable you know, what is achievable in your market? Well, you might not know. You might, but you might not know. Maybe in your market, growing from 10 to 50 with three people is achievable. That's totally possible. But for other people in their market, that's like a five-year trajectory for for even the best of companies. So you can refine what those things are as you look at data, but it's still good to set a goalpost so that then you're moving towards a direction and you might refine that goal over time. You also, on the flip side, I am an eternal optimist. You may find that you set your goal too low. That's a great point. You want to have something that you're stretching towards. Right. You just don't want to end up feeling discouraged that you can't achieve the impossible, right? Right. You, you've got to have the the accurate data so that not only can you set the right goal, but you have your team focused on the right things as well. So when you have that organizational goal, you're going to look at each functional area and they will set three to five goals that align in their area with those one to three organizational goals. I want to take note that when you're setting goals at a functional area there, and and you might even have, you might, you might have more than one goal at the company level, again, not 10, but you want to, you want to have a limited number, but it could be more than one, right? It's not just a revenue goal. You might have a customer service goal or a technology rollout goal or some operational metric as well. But when you're going down into the functional areas, you're not just breaking that out in terms of a number. So if the revenue goal is 10 million, the sales team is responsible for five and operations for five. That's not how it works. You're you're now starting to think about, it's a combination of kind of initiative or measurable things along the way to the goal. So it might be, you know, we become more streamlined and devote more effort to new projects, but it could also be we launch a new product that feeds that revenue. So the functional goals are now you're starting to get into a little bit of what are the methods, the approaches and the strategies Mm -hmm. we're going to use to achieve those goals. And so you have, you can get creative here. This is an exciting part. You get to think expansively and think about different opportunities and then pick between them for those correct uh, goals for you to try for to achieve the top level goal. So let, let's say, for example, that, that you're looking at profitability as your organizational goal. How does that affect each organizational area? Now, I don't want to get into the weeds, but let's think about that. Profitability means often increasing revenue, decreasing costs. It's not always that case, but often. So You're talking about your revenue centers, sales, marketing, customer service. It's not always an expense area. It should be a revenue area. How can you generate more income? Then you've got 
technology, operations, finance, HR, you think of those as more cost centers. How can you maximize the value you get from those areas to support the revenue you're looking for? Maybe it's investing in a new CRM. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, an HR talent acquisition strategy. These are all interconnected goals, cross-functional goals that support the overall organizational goal. It requires not only goals that, that coordinate and complement, it requires communication, cross-functional communication. Yeah, there's a lot of dependencies mm-hmm. for that. And, and there's many things you could do. It's going to be more things than you can do, which is exactly why that prioritization and company-wide strategy on paper articulated, it becomes important because even just the goal in itself, more profitability could send every person in your team looking in a different direction. Some want more investments, some are going to start cutting something. And until you actually reconcile those goals, because if let's say you have profitability, let's, let's go into that example. You could also, you know, somebody's pursuit of that goal could result in cutting jobs that are essential to another part Mm -hmm. of it, which is expanding into a new market, right? You don't want to, to not reconcile the goals and have everybody just invent their own solution. This is why the the crafting it jointly yeah. and having everybody informed becomes very important. So I've got a question for you, Dasha. Mm-hmm. I know we've both dealt with this. So when you when you're working with a an SMB that's, that's trying to scale up, and you've got a, a founder that they really know their product or service. I mean, they are an expert in that area, but they've got all these functional areas that they've got to consider now, and they're not experts in those areas. They know they have to craft a strategy that includes them. They're just not really familiar with those areas. How do they account for how that functional area is incorporated in the the whole organizational strategy when they don't know that area? Yeah, this this actually becomes a very challenging aspect of the company because at any point in growth, you're going to be running into not having the talent, the expert on the field. So, you know, hiring an expert obviously is one, but that can be expensive and risky, especially if you're not sure, you just want to get some ideas. But one of the really nice things around kind of this new wave of solopreneurship gig economy, especially post COVID, there's been a lot of people from executive roles who have independent consultancies or they call it fractional executives who are available on a part-time basis or on an advising basis. So mm-hmm. that's one is, you know, you could have somebody come in for a few months, do an assessment, understand, and it's low risk. Like if you find that that function now becomes more and more important, you can start growing it, hire somebody full-time later. But if you've gotten a little bit of feedback and expertise and, and you've, you've gotten enough information, but you don't really need to focus in on it. You have the ability not to invest full time and keep somebody on when you're not sure. But, you know, there, there's also online courses now from universities that are available on very deep topics. You know, you can, if you have an expert somewhere in the field who you really want to consult for you, you can always try to call them up and just say, what would it take to get you to spend eight hours with me and help yeah. me out? And it, you brought something up earlier uh, when we were discussing this topic that is also worth mentioning, which is advisory boards. Yes. I have, I've, I've been in business since 2009, been in this industry for 30 plus years. I don't know everything. I don't know HR. 
I've worked with skill development, coaching, training. My best friend of 35 years is an HR executive. She has been my informal advisory board on all of those topics. No, she's not on staff. (laughs) But if I have one of those questions, she's my go-to. You know, I have have somebody that's a technical person. I've got somebody that's a legal person. They don't have to be employed by you. And of course, they're they're not going to, you know, be, be liable for any executive decisions. But it's somebody with expertise that you can go to. And until you need that person on a recurring full-time bound by contract basis, it's good to have that second opinion or as a sounding board. I can go to a relative, my husband, you know, a cousin, you know, sister, whoever, they'll all give me an opinion, but unless they're an expert in that area, it's an opinion. It, it may or may not be sound business advice. When I work with smaller companies, startups, very early stage, you know, they often really focus on that advisory group Mm -hmm. and because they're trying, you know, they're usually developing something new and they're not nearly as experienced in it as, you know, what's required to get everything done. And they're totally low EO about it. They're like, Hey, we need five experts. We're going to find them. And it helps them pitch. And it's the same thing, even if you're a privately funded or bootstrapped business, you can put together that advisory board because you don't have to have the answer for everything. Having a few other people look through your ideas on overall growth, they're going to have contacts, they're going to have experiences they can, and they, they can be engaged like by looking at your overall strategic plan, getting into a couple of the meetings or reviewing some data and giving you some insights and also telling you what they're seeing, for example, if they're from your industry and in your market. So a, f- a few advisors is, is a really great idea to have for your company if, if you want to have opinions from other people and to cover functional areas where you might not be an expert. Absolutely. If, if you're active on LinkedIn, there are, I'm going to guess, thousands of groups that are in different areas, whether it's for startups, entrepreneurs, if it is for different areas of expertise, there are some, for example, women, minority business owners. There are some that are leadership think tanks, mm-hmm. pretty much any flavor of expertise or business. There are groups and you can go participate in those, ask questions, share ideas, form connections. Very, very valuable, at least in my business and my sharing of knowledge and absorbing of knowledge. There are plenty of other local opportunities for networking, brainstorming groups. Uh, LinkedIn is not the only one that's digital. There's plenty of those as well. I highly recommend that you connect with your peers and those that are in positions that you want to be in. Score is almost always mentioned as a great resource. So lots of different ways you can, you can bring that expertise to your team. Okay, let's go back a little bit into the data. So you have some goals, you're starting to get this idea of how to break that down into functional areas, but now current state, future state, what are the main categories of data? Where can you find information in your company and outside of it? A great place to start is your CRM. That should be your central repository of anything that is connected to your customer. 
So you're going to get revenue information. You're going to get sales and marketing information. You're going to get customer support information as far as the support and service side. All of that data is in your CRM. Mine that for its data. In the in your ERP, if you're using one as well, if you're of that size, that has a lot of your financial data, mm-hmm. your purchasing orders, um, you know, all of your supply chain information. If you if you're still working off of notepads in Excel, you're probably going to stay where you're at for a little bit longer than you need to. Yeah, there's also marketing data. There's information from how how are people, you know, if you have social channels, Mm -hmm. what are people saying? Are people responding? Engagement rates, your website, but also if you go to trade shows or organizations like that, they sometimes have information. Who attended? How did people react to you relative to others? What were your competitors doing? How did it look over in their booth? And there's also other information usually published by those organizations. So you can look at you know, are more people attending your shows? Okay, that is the market growing, you know? Mm-hmm. So so there's data that you are touching constantly that's telling you about the overall industry, the economy, your financial data obviously has a lot of information. You can also generate some data about your internal operations by doing some sort of simple audit, you know, generally like, how are we doing? Let's, you know, if you have some sort of quality check, pull that data but also in your talent and the growth potential. You could pull your managers who are your top rising stars. Do you feel like you have someone in place for your succession? You know, what is the most important skill missing on your team? That type of stuff so that you can have information about, okay, are there any gaps internally that we haven't addressed that should be part of our strategy? So you can kind of create some scoring systems if you need to get some data internally if you're at a stage where maybe you don't have things and systems being tracked automatically as well it's very it's very valuable to have that on the table before you begin the conversation about what the plan should really be so that you really prioritize the most critical things to cover first so let's talk a little bit about that just prioritization that's a huge part of organization-wide planning what what does that mean you have to probably identify that one area or two areas from an organizational standpoint that's going to be critical to getting you to the next stage. So if you if you have that goal, that five-year, 10-year goal, definitely keep that in mind. But go back, peel it back. Okay, if you have a 10-year goal, so to get there, where do you need to be in five years? Great. Now, you know, where do you need to be in three years? Great. Now, you know, where do you need to be in one year? There are your priorities. So I'm, I'm a big fan of backward scheduling. That's the best way I can look at where do I need to be? Where am I today? Okay, let's step it back. Where do I need to set those goals? Yeah. And I think you can sometimes do a little bit of an ROI assessment on the items that that might get you to your goal. So you, you might see some things that if you address it fast and you address it first, then maybe it lays down the foundation for something else, or maybe it stops a really bad leak inside a company, a problem, uh, something that's constantly on fire or hasn't been, a, you know, maybe you, you're able to dive 
by fixing the difficult thing first, maybe you're able to then divert the attention of the team to the next kind of expansion or growth thing. So there's a little bit of an art and a science to doing the prioritization Mm -hmm. and, and to reconciling the kinds of things that you could be doing, the initiatives, let's say in time as well to see where, you know, if you're going to be, for example, expanding into international business and you don't have anybody with international business experience, then maybe before you get your first three clients, you might have to hire somebody with that experience. You know, there's some logic and cause effect relationships that you are able to find once you put the ideas on paper. Okay. So what would be your greatest takeaway for uh, starting your strategic planning process in 2024, if you've never done it before, or if you're not confident yours has worked? My biggest takeaway recommendation would be start with the end in mind. Once you have the end in mind, you can figure out what are all the steps I need to do to be able to get to that end. If you have all of that laid out, then you can figure out, okay, well, step four or item number four has to happen before item number seven. And then you can kind of start jigsaw puzzling it into what has to be done when. Then you can, you know, just logically put things into its place. I love that. That's great advice. My last advice for companies starting out is this. Sometimes this can be really daunting. So if you have no practice in place, I recommend start with just one or two initiatives. Get a couple of the people in your leadership team that are the most likely to jive together. Get them in a room once a week and just start making progress. Once you have a process in place for how you're going to manage the team, how you set the priorities, Now you can add more people into the room. You can add a few more initiatives on top. Okay, now you have the whole team in place. Now you have experience doing a little bit. Okay, now you can set the larger, more ambitious goal and break it down. So sometimes sometimes it can be daunting. Definitely an annual strategic process, doesn't have to be annual, by the way, can feel overwhelming. And if if you've never done it before, start small, but think big long-term. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the Go, Go, Grow podcast. We hope you found value in this episode. Please share this podcast with someone you know that that might also find it useful to scale their business. Go, Go, Grow is found across all major podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode. And also please join us for our office hours. You'll find details in our show notes.